Tim and Gordy, would you help me move some of these lecterns and microphones off there? So, and the kids are dismissed to Children's Church. Kids, look at them waiting to go. So, they thought I forgot again. And so, making their way out to Children's Church. And also, if you would take your slips, the attendance slips, and any visitor slips that you might have filled out today and pass them to the outside aisles, and the ushers will come by and pick those up. Thank you for your patience with that. And so, ushers, come all the way up so you don't just surprise them, and we'll have you work your way back. That helps us filling out the attendance slips and helps us with the uh, visitor slips as well. If it's your first time here, thank you for being here. I, uh, we have a blue visitor bag. If we're out of them, uh, let me know after the service. I'll be right at the back here, and I'd love to talk with you and uh, visit with you if it's your first time here. And everybody else, too. I'll stick around as long as you want and talk, but we're glad that you're here. Thank you for the ongoing prayers uh, during the, the remodel time and the uh, difference that we have in here. Yesterday, we had that divider pulled, and so imagine how small a section that is on this half, and we had over 100 people on this half for the preschool graduation yesterday, and we made it work. And on that half, there were tables and chairs set up and a bounce house in that corner over there. And so I do not want any requests that we put the bounce house up on Sundays. Please don't do that. Um, but I, I'm so thankful for the many people um, who are very, very involved with what's going on here at Calvary, and it's going to be a blessing. We're looking at about a three-month uh, time frame. I'd love for us to be ahead of that. I think we will be. I'd love for us to be under budget, and I think we will be. I'll let you know uh, several weeks after the remodel if we can accomplish both of those. Would you bow with me in prayer as we look to God's word? Heavenly Father, as we come now with the word of God opened, we praise you for it. We thank you that you have left us with such a beautiful plan for our life. We thank you, God, for the inspiration of the word of God. We thank you that it's sufficient. And we thank you, God, that we can open it now. I would ask at this time, as I oftentimes do, that very clearly the Holy Spirit would be involved as a teacher. I never... Stop being surprised at the individuals that would come to me and said, wow, and talk about something that was spoken to them during the preaching. And I had no intention of saying that, nor did I think I said that. Because very much so, the supernatural teaching of the Holy Spirit is something beautiful when God's people gather around God's word. Would you be clearly involved now? We pray these things, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. At the risk of making myself vulnerable, I'm going to begin today by telling you what, in my opinion, is the worst sermon I ever preached. Now, this might be debatable. Some of you might have some comments afterwards wanting to give me a sermon that might be the worst, in your opinion. Having said that, when I was in Bible college, I was trying to win the affection of a certain woman that I went to Bible college with. She's my wife today. Her name is Tina. I wanted to clear that up in case there were any questions afterwards. I would go to visit Tina uh, in Gary, Indiana, her home area, and I had opportunity to spend time with her, which I loved. But I also had opportunity to spend time with her family. One, opportun one opportunity that I had to spend time with Tina's mother was when I went. she, she came to me and said, now you're going to be coming with me before church on Sunday, and you're going to come with me, and I'll tell you what to do. And back in those days, they had several buses at the church where Tina grew up at. How many of you remember the bus days? Remember those? All right, lots of us, okay. 
And uh, they had several buses, and Tina's mother was a captain on one of those buses. So she said, you come along. She assumed that since I was a Bible college student that she could just throw this at me last minute. So I got on this bus, and these are some, these are not your uh, student of the week kind of kids, if that makes sense. These guys are jumping all over the place. They're everywhere. And her plan for that day to keep them quieted down was to have this Bible college student preach a sermon on the bus while we are going, picking up the kids and going to church. I don't want to delay to talk about this for too long, but the emotions that are burned in me, I'm halfway through it, and we stop and pick up another kid. What do I do? Do I start over? Do I go over that great illustration again? I'm sure no one remembers that sermon. I don't remember that sermon either. Then we get on the interstate, I-94, driving for the last haul, and it's so loud, nobody can hear. Now, what do you think was one of the objects of my mother-in-law when she asked me to do this? Did she want to know if I had some serious preaching skills or not? No. She was checking me out, wasn't she? She was seeing how I responded, what I would do under pressure, if I was willing to get up early in the morning and go and do this. But what I, what I want to inform you of is this. At the same time, when I would go and visit, and on that occasion even, even that occasion, I was also doing some observing of my own. I wasn't just observing Tina, which was my favorite thing to do. I was observing her mother. You see, my dad gave me some counsel a long time ago. If you take a look at a woman's mother, you can learn quite a bit about what kind of a woman they are going to become. That sermon was pretty poor. But what I learned about my mother-in-law that day was that she loved God very much. She was disciplined to serve in her local church. And if my wife had some of those disciplines and attributes, I would be very, very pleased years down the road. And I am. What we're going to see in God's word today is something that women can aspire to. Also, what we'll see is something that men, specifically husbands, can take on themselves to help their wives become something that God's word gives us a guideline for. And if you are not married today, if you're wanting to become a wife someday or wanting to find a wife someday, there's no doubt that we find good, good wisdom in what we'll talk about this morning. All that to take us to our text. Proverbs chapter 31, please. Proverbs chapter 31 is where we'll be. Really, in Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10 and going through the end of the chapter, what we find is a poem that is in praise of godly women. If your Bible has the same heading that mine has before that proverb, it says, The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So would you please keep that in mind as we go over these several verses? This, these are the words that this young man's mother taught him. He would be king someday, and his mom is giving him some wonderful counsel and encouragement. We need to talk through that, and we need to understand that a godly mother's wisdom given to her son is something very, very sweet. Moms do not stop with that godly wisdom, even if it feels like it's not being accepted. Um, children don't stop receiving that godly wisdom. 
The wisdom concerning what to look for in a wife is what we're talking about here uh, specifically. And we'll get into a couple different divisions of this chapter. Or better, the kind of expectations that, as we see it here, the expectations a king would have for a queen. So these are noble expectations. And where is a better place for us to learn about nobility than in God's word? Now, I want to stop right here and say this, and I need everybody, especially wives and mothers, to listen to what I'm about to say. Because after we look at the picture of this Proverbs 31 woman, there are many women who might have their shoulders just shrink down like this. There are many women who might feel like, I could never match up to that. I see some moms shaking their heads out there. I could never match up to that. It can be very intimidating when we approach a, a, a time like this, a passage like this. So I want to encourage you right off the bat before we get into our main points here. There is a danger. The description of this woman is going to make you feel like a failure, and I do not want you to do that. And I can give you one perfect example that happened to me this past week. This past week, I had the opportunity to go to a pastor's conference down in the Cleveland, Ohio area, and one of the speakers got up to uh, preach, and here's what he said. He said, open your Bibles to James. It's like that. And the guy sitting next to me, who's one of the leaders at his church in the whole Michigan area, he leaned over and he said, oh no, James, just like that. Well, I knew what he was talking about, but just for confirmation, I, I, I noted the headings in James here in my Bible. So here's what he's anticipating. A teaching from the Bible on the testing of your faith. Or teaching from the Bible and from James on hearing and doing the word. Not just hearing the word, but doing the word. A, t- a teaching from the book of James on faith without works being dead. And then some of you might have went right to this idea on a teaching from James on the idea of taming the tongue. When we come to James, it can be a challenge for us because it's very, very practical. And it can be very, very discouraging because so many of us fall short in a lot of those areas. What I want to do before we even get started today is I want to tell you this. If you look in verse number 10 of Proverbs 31, it gives a clue where it says, an excellent woman who can find. So you need to understand that this is rare. All right? And I don't want you to have a checklist and say, how am I doing all these areas right now? That's not... But that's not going to be as helpful for you. But instead, what I want for you to understand is there are many people who can do some of the things that the Proverbs 31 woman does. There are very, very few people who can do all of these things. And so the point is not that godly women have to be all of these things. But if I can, if you're taking notes, write down this word freedom. Write down the word freedom. The point is not that godly women have to be all of these things, but she is free to pursue all of these things. And so that was an encouragement for you ladies out there. For you guys, this is just a straight-up warning because I love you. None of you get to go home and say, I hope you were listening to that sermon today about Proverbs 31. Look at that woman. Let's sit down and read through this together. Three side businesses she has going. My goodness. And look how early she was up every day. Guys, you don't have permission to do that. There will be an application for you, though. 
Two goals. One is to cast a vision for godly womanhood, and then hopefully we're going to give some encouragement for how you can pursue that. Now, I I mentioned that word freedom, and so this is not a conflict with that. So you might need to wrap your brain around these two words to make them fit together. The idea is that the woman will have freedom to pursue these things, and right away we're going to see some, are you ready? Some boundaries that God has given in order for a woman to accomplish these things. Boundaries for a godly woman, because boundaries bring freedom. And all the teenagers go, no, that's not right. Boundaries don't bring freedom. Freedom. Because you've never lived in a place where there were no rules on the road and everybody was doing whatever they wanted. I wouldn't go out on the roads if there were not rules for the road. And there are some families who have wonderful boundaries around that family, that fence at the top of the hill, so hopefully they don't tumble down to the bottom and have to face dire consequences. Boundaries bring freedom. We're going to look at two relationships by which the godly woman lives her life. I'm going to give them both to you, and then we're going to go back and cover them in a little more detail. First of all, the relationship to the Lord. Proverbs 31 gives us a wonderful encouragement about a woman's relationship to the Lord. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You know, the other day I was, I I forgot the exact setting, but I was talking to someone with the idea that they need to be praised about that. And I started to hesitate, thinking, wait a second, nobody gets praised except for God. But when we come to this idea, that someone who follows this pattern, she is to be praised, of course, in an appropriate way, not praising her above God. And then the second part that we'll look at is a woman's relationship to her husband. She does him good and not harm all of the days of her life. These two relationships, they stand as bookends, if you will. Bookends for a godly woman that, would give, that will give her marvelous freedom a freedom that she's going to want to have to accomplish what God wants her to accomplish. First of all, a woman who fears the Lord. A woman who fears the Lord. Now, that sounds kind of general, a a God-fearing person. Do we hear that term as much today as we heard it maybe 50 or 100 years ago? She was a God-fearing woman. He was a God-fearing man. People think that God-fearing is a negative thing. They don't want to think of God as something to be feared. They want to think of him as something, a grandfather figure in heaven who's just loving and and sweet and wonderful. The idea of fear does not mean we walk around thinking we're going to get struck by lightning if we sin. That's not the idea at all. So what do we mean when we say a woman who fears the Lord? I think this is a good way of approaching this idea of God-fearing. It means that the word of God has weight in a person's life. When the word of God has a priority and a weight in an individual's life, that is a God-fearing person. To be more specific, what I mean by that is we submit ourselves to the authority of God's word. So if it comes up with you, as it comes up with me on a regular basis, sometimes I have my own opinion, my own feelings on how I want to move forward. And right away, I find that 
I get smacked in the face with something that I find in God's Word. And there's a conflict. A conflict with how Jeremy wants to move forward and a conflict with what the Word of God says. When we submit ourselves, so I take what I think and I allow myself to submit that and reshape my desires according to what the Bible says, that is what we mean by submission. What's the alternative to this? What's the alternative to when there's a conflict between what I think and what the Bible says? What's the alternative to submitting to the Bible? Well, the alternative is that we would have God submit His Word to us. And of course, this is never going to happen. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. By wisdom there, we're talking about Life skills, really. Is this priority settled in my life? Are you ready to say that whenever you're thinking, whether you're a man or a woman or child, whether when your thinking comes into conflict with God's word, are you ready to say that I will change my behavior to submit under God's word? Or I will change my attitude from what I have found in God's word? What I don't have written down here is the, the unsaid point, if you're going to submit yourself to God's word, you have to know what God's word says. And I don't want to get too preachy for you, even though I'm preaching. But it's not going to be enough on 30 minutes on a Sunday morning to know what God's word says. You have to have this in your heart and in your mind. You have to be learning this as you go in life. The alternative, that is, the alternative to that is we read the Bible with a filter. What I mean by a filter is this. When I come across something in God's Word that I already agree with, well, easy peasy, right? No problem. I agree with that. That's good. Me and God are on the same page. But when I come across something in God's Word that maybe my behavior or my attitude does not agree with, sometimes we get creative. Sometimes we will not just boldface say, I will not do it. Sometimes what we do is we will allow ourselves to dismiss it or more so, I think, improperly interpret that Bible verse. There is a danger. This is a message to individuals that are newer Christians. There is a danger in only knowing a few select verses and building your life philosophy off of that. Some of those verses are great verses. They're going to be important But what we need to understand is that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And so as we study God's Word, it's going to confirm these things. And if you've had the same experience that I've had, you've heard some individuals quote a Bible verse perfectly, word for word for what it says, and then say something that God did not say. That's what that verse means, someone might say. For those of us who are influencing young people, what happens when you take a verse out of context is you are cutting the legs of authority out from underneath yourself. If you tell a person that this is the authority for your life, this is trustworthy, it is sufficient, and then they find out later on that you were fudging on something or your behavior didn't match that, You will cut 
the legs of authority out from underneath yourself. And what will happen is they will take the book and they will throw it all out. If you lied about one thing, it's all got to be a lie, is what they will tell themselves. And if you think that I'm just waving my hands up here for effect, I'm not. I knew a teenager years ago that was fed something from God's word that God did not say. And when he got old enough to review it for himself, he took a Bible and someone in his family, he threw it across the room. It is so important that we know what God's word says, that we give the word of God weight in our lives. And if you do not do this, then you do not fear the Lord. And so if you want to build your life on a solid foundation, the place to begin is the fear of the Lord. Now remember the first person we talked about with this proverb, Lemuel's mother. Lemuel's mother says, someday you're going to be king. And what you need to be looking for in a woman that will be your queen is to find a woman, first of all, who fears the Lord. And so we can put up there something to aspire to, be certain that God's word carries weight in our lives, in the lives of a godly woman. And then next, a a relationship to her husband. If you're in Proverbs chapter 31 there, look at verse number 12. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Now, there are a variety of accomplishments that are listed here, and I'm going to cover a few of those in just a moment. But there is one underlying idea underneath so many of them, and that is this, that she brings good to her husband. Now, a very important point for us to understand is that so many women today are so busy. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, women, but some of you are so busy not just in your thinking, but in your lives, on your calendar, in your actions. You're so busy. And it is a dangerous place for a woman to be so busy, but to not know the reason why she's busy with the things she's busy with. What this is, is a formula for burnout and for frustration. If you cannot answer the why question, why? Am I doing these things? It might not be um, a, a clear connection, but it should be related to the idea that you fear God and also that you want to bring good to your husband if you have one. When we look at this, the frustrations that come in a woman's life are obvious when they do not know what their main goal is. A godly woman is clear in her purpose. Her life falls into two primary commitments that we see here in Proverbs 31. She is to fear the Lord. She is to bring good to her husband. The phrase, bring him good all of her days, is one of the best pictures that we have in the Bible of the word submission. Submission. Now, some people who might be skeptical are going to say, really, on Mother's Day, you, used, you choose to use the word submission when preaching and preaching to moms and wives? But the idea of submission is something that God has given us. There's a plan that God has given us that gives us a freedom to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. And there's a very easy application, or I should say illustration, for us to apply. When I think of what I spend a lot of my time doing, and that's the ministry of the local church, 
There are many things that are happening here at the church. There are programs, there are events, there are uh, different ministries, some big, some small. And when we think of the variety of programs that we have, and we think of what they're trying to accomplish, they, that program might have a mission of its own. But for any program that we're going to have here, or ministry, or, or however, whatever else you want to call it, for every one that we have here at Calvary, whatever its mission is, it always falls under the bigger mission of the local church, of our church. We oftentimes will represent that by the four main objectives that we have, our worship, instruction, fellowship, and expression. So that's right at the top, and it should fall underneath one of those. So if somebody has a, a ministry in mind or an idea that they have, do you know how many ideas come up all the time? Every, I'm, I'm the first one that has this. I have ideas all the time. I mean, I might be getting ready in the morning, and I've got three great ideas. But when we get into the making it happen, that's where it gets tricky sometimes. And I'm not the only one. Let me just say congratulations to so many of you who have so many great ideas. I don't want to hamper that. I don't want to stop that. If you have an idea, if you want to move forward with that, and if God's going to be a part of it, that it's something going on here at Calvary, I think God will clearly be involved and make that happen. But any idea that you have needs to fall underneath one of these higher goals. There is submission of the, that group that's going to come under the main philosophy of Calvary Bible Church. We take all the ministries and place them under the mission of the church. Now, one more note before we get into a few of these specifics for you uh, to notice. One more note is that the commitment here is to the husband and not to the children. I'm sure that you don't think that I'm downplaying the importance of a, a, a woman's role in the life of her children. But what we find here in Proverbs 31 is a call to a commitment to her husband, not her children. And let me talk about that just for a moment. You see, God created Eve for Adam. He did not make Eve for Cain and Abel. And this is going to be very, very important if we want to see strong families developed. And the reason why is because if children are the main focus all the time, then those children are going to become the center of the family. And if those children believe they are the center of the family, then the next step in their life is they're going to think that they are the center of all things in this world. This is exactly the message of the devil, that you are the center of all things that you are the most important. And so when we think of this role of the wife and of the mother, if this happens, then they are going to grow up thinking that, here it is, are you ready? They're going to grow up thinking that God exists for them instead of the other way around. That is a danger. All right, let's look at some of the extraordinary attributes of this example, things that we can aspire to. What is she free to pursue? Well, look at verse 13. And I'm going to give you, I think I have six different qualities listed here that you might put on the list. You can aspire to these things. Verse number 13, she seeks wool and flax 
and works with willing hands. So here we see that she is willing. If you want to write that word down, you can. Willing. She is not reluctant. She's not dreading the day, but she is eager. Have you ever seen the difference in someone approaching a task when they are reluctant to do that versus when they are eager to do it? Just the anticipation leading up to that. How great is this going to be? And so there in verse 13, it says, with willing hands. She's not being pulled along against her will. Verse 14. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. I want you to notice her creativity here. The creativity, bringing her food from afar. It's kind of a strange compliment to give, you know, to say my wife is like a barge. That's not really the, uh, maybe the best compliment you can give. I think the picture is for there, there is variety and there is color even in the food that she would provide for her household. She turns a house into a home. This is the beauty of that. I read recently where someone said, 100 men can make an encampment, but it only takes one woman to make a home. And there's no doubt that this is, that is this kind of woman. Look at verse number 15 with me, where it says, She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Write down the word discipline here. She is disciplined. And I don't want you guys whose wives, uh, they sleep in and they stay up late to give them a hard time about this. I'll tell you what, I accomplish a whole lot between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. I accomplish nothing between 11 and 1. There are some wives out there that get so much done between 11 and 1. It's amazing. So you've got to figure this out for yourself. So be very, very careful if you want to take that verse. You're not telling your wife to get out of bed earlier. That's not what the future king's mom had in mind. Discipline is the idea, though. She's disciplined to get things done. And then look at verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. So here we find her enterprise. Write that word down if you're taking notes. Enterprise. So we see real estate is involved. She makes profit from that real estate. And with that profit, she plants a vineyard. We find in a little bit that she's selling garments. Three side businesses. Look at the multitasking that this woman is doing. And I have no problem saying that women are much better multitaskers than most men. That's not the case exclusively. If you're taking notes, write down the word compassion. The word compassion. Verse number 20 says, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Oftentimes when you think of the needy and the poor and the beggar, they're reaching their hand out. This woman is being intentional about this. She is compassionate. And then the last word to write down is planning. She is a planner. Verse number 21 says, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. These are some things that if you're a husband, you need to be working to lead your wife to. These are some things that you can aspire to.
as a godly wife. These are some things if you want to be a wife someday or if you're looking for a wife someday that you can put on the list. Clearly, when someone's young, who's got all these boxes checked before they get married, okay? So I'm not trying to say don't set your standard high for who you're going to marry. But what I am saying is, is it takes a little bit of time for some of us guys and some of us ladies, or you ladies, I should say, to come around. And so give it some time, but keep these in mind. What can you do with this? I've got applications for three different groups of people. First of all, for the women. Understand the freedom that comes as you give yourselves to these two ideas. Fearing God, doing good to your husband. Some people will think these are limits. These are going to slow us down, and that is not the case. God has said these will give you the freedom to be the kind of godly woman that you want to be if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to guard against a philosophy that would fly in the face of what God says, even if it's not popular. Do we ever find things that God's word says that are, are not popular in our, in, our, in our day, in our culture? Holy smokes, yes. So understand what God's word says. Make that the foundation for how you move forward. And then you're not going to have your, foundation, your, your house built on a, an unstable foundation, as Christ talked about. And then men, recognize the beauty in God's plan for proper balance in the world. Do you know the first thing in the Bible that God said was not good? Do you, didn't some of you remember it? God said back in Genesis when he created man, it is not good that man is alone. And Jeremy Lazell said, amen to that. I could not make it. I think God has called some individuals to not marry. They will have a specific impact and specific um, uh, ministry in this world, no doubt. But men recognize that that woman is not there at your beck and call. Recognize that it is not your job to beat them down, to crush them. I failed to say this earlier as we were approaching this. Guys, I'm not giving you permission to be quoting verses to your wives today. That's not the idea at all. In fact, I'm just going to let you know. That's a, that's a knife that cuts both ways. You want to start preaching to your wife, you better be ready because there's a good chance she knows the Bible better than some of you, right? She can quote some Bible verses to you. And I think if we're going to add them up, there's a whole lot more that lands on the shoulders of the guys than on the shoulders of the women. Recognize the beauty of God's balance. As God has put into this world men and women. And then finally, for those seeking a spouse, Keep these guidelines in mind for what you're looking for. Or keep these guidelines in mind for what you might aspire to. All right. I got one more story to tell you. When I was a teenager, there was a gal that I grew up with. She was in the same church as me. Went to a different school. Lovely lady. She had, her name was Becky, and her dad's name was Chuck. Now, Chuck was the kind of dad that I want to be like in some respects. Faithful to church, faithful husband, and if there was a guy that was interested in his daughter, he sent a very clear message to that fellow. Let me tell you the best story I have about Chuck 
and the message that he sent to a, a boy that would come calling on his daughter, Becky. Some boy asked Becky out. She was a cute gal. And somebody from school said, can, I, can we go on a date? And she said, sure, you've got to come by and pick me up at my house. And so this boy drove up in the car outside the house. Now Chuck had decided to take that opportunity to sit on the front porch and to clean his gun that day when this boy <laughs> pulled up. True story. Boy pulls up there, sits there, looks up at Chuck cleaning the gun on the front porch, drives away is what he did. So they didn't get together. They didn't get married. I know Becky today, she's married to a lovely man who's got their whole family in church. That beautiful balance. There was some advice given from a mother to someone who was God's child who would be king someday. Or can I just say this? Someone who God loved very much and God had a plan for them. Very intentional counsel that is given. Women, you can aspire to these things. Men, you have a responsibility to help your wife to become these things. Do not knock yourself down. Do not allow yourself to be crushed. But understand that as we find all throughout God's word, all kinds of things that we can reach for and aspire to, these are some that God has given us for a biblical, godly woman. Let's pray. Father, when we look to you, we oftentimes will come in confusion. We oftentimes are limited with what we have in our own understanding. We oftentimes are coming just with our own experience. And sometimes we forget, oh God, we study and we look into your word, but we forget so quickly. And so would you allow us to be constantly reminded of what your word says? Would you allow us to understand the importance of the Bible having weight in our lives? And for this task of a woman who would do good and not harm for her husband, for a husband who would lead his wife in that way, and for those who are seeking someone, that they would see the importance of these. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to give you a moment to pray. This message has not been about the gospel or salvation directly, but we always like to mention that if you are listening to this message today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you see, everybody knows Easter and everybody knows Christmas. We celebrate Easter because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for the sins of the world. And we celebrate Easter because he rose from the grave, conquering death but conquering sin. And it's your sin that he conquered. And all you have to do is recognize your need for forgiveness and ask him, ask God to be your father, Jesus to be your savior. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can do that even right at this moment. If you've been searching, maybe God's been pulling on your heart, ask God to save you. For everyone else, I don't know what might have been convicting to you or interesting about the message today. Take a moment to pray. Amen.
I'm going to ask you to stand before we sing a song, a closing song. I want to remind all the moms that are here that we have a gift at the door, so we'll have an usher posted back there to give one of those out. We do have ABF classes for the adults. Everybody stand up with me. Don't pull on those pews while you're standing. You'll regret it.